0: Netflix is speaking out after Dave Chappelle was attacked on stage this week during one of their events. A spokesperson says the company cares deeply about the safety of creators. They added that the Netflix strongly defends the right of stand-up comedians to perform on stage without fear of violence. Of course, we know that Chappelle was attacked Tuesday while doing his stand-up at the Hollywood Bowl. He had been performing at the Netflix Joe is a joke festival in L.A. when a man jumped on stage, lunged at him, hitting him in the torso before running off and then being caught and pummeled. Police la- later identified him as 23-year-old Isaiah Lee, who's being held in jail on $30,000 bond. Now,
1: we've seen this this rash of weird uh, stage-running break out. Like, we saw Will Smith and Chris Rock, but that's not really necessarily the exact same thing, right? I mean, that, and I think that's why nobody charged the stage. That's why, obviously, Will Smith was allowed to stay at the Oscars.
0: Well, and no- normally, Will Smith's everybody's nice guy. Sure. You didn't see it coming.
1: But he walked up and flat- I mean, he lit him up. Yeah, uh, and and so I think nobody knew what to do. We we don't see a lot of celebrity on celebrity violence on television at a, a gala event. No. Uh, that being said, now you see something like Chappelle, uh, who's never been. I, I've never seen him as terribly controversial, um, and, and you know, it's a comedian to me. I just I don't see it. I know I know he caught heat uh, from certain special interest groups. Who I, I just I, I don't know. I, I just. There's such a division in my head between mean-spirited and hate speech and comedy. Genuine comedy. A mirror of society of what's happening in our world today. And the thing, that the hypocrisy of everybody, laugh, 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 laugh. Oh, is that me? Oh, I hate you. Now you've done something terribly offensive. Now it's no longer funny. But everything else was funny. Like everything else Chappelle said that night was great. And this isn't cool. And... And I, I mean, I went back and listened to all that and I just thought, man, I just don't see the I see if you were overly sensitive and you could not simply laugh at yourself once in a while.
0: Yeah, Every, you know, everybody needs to have that moment. There's a
1: huge difference between villainizing, dehumanizing uh, a part of our of our humanity and our population and and making a joke about the odd difference between all of us. Mm-hmm. And I'll fight that and argue with that till the very end. Now you don't agree with that, that's about you. I don't care. It's, you believe how you want to believe.
0: I look at Chappelle as someone who has observations and discussions.
1: Yeah. And so that being said, I've never known him to be any kind of a lightning rod. Uh, but this attack was certainly, there's got to be a story behind it. Certainly mental illness. Um, but the guy had a fake gun with a knife. It's a knife gun combo. You buy these crap things in like truck stops. It's just, a, it's a dumbest idea ever. Because it's, at minimum, it's a get you killed weapon. Yeah. Oh, did you have a gun? Oh, I had a gun. So that's it. Now we're in a gun-gun fight. Turns out it was a knife. Guess what? The jury will be okay with you being dead after that. This is what happened at the uh, Netflix is a joke. There's maybe four or five steps up to get to Dave Chappelle. There's no security barrier. He's talking to the crowd, and out of nowhere, this dude, and he crosses that 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 barrier, that, uh, that space, incredibly quick.
2: Behind me on the DJ table is one of the most prolific... Producers that hip-hop has ever presented the mighty man live Ladies and gentlemen make some noise for hip-hop history I am going to kill that Wait, I gotta see this Thank God That was clumsy He's back there getting stomped Where did that come from? It was a, it was a trans man.
1: Was that
3: Will Smith?
1: Yeah, dude, it was it was pretty gnarly. And then you know afterwards he. Oh now everybody comes
3: out for the curtain call. Shout out to
2: Jamie Fox by the way,
1: Jamie. Jamie jumped up there. Jamie charged up that, that stage. He was the only one who came out of the audience, I think.
2: Which Whenever doesn't surprise me. Jamie Foxx will show up in the sheriff's hat. Turn the mic up. I thought that was part of the show. I don't know what the is. I, I, I grabbed the back of that head. His hair was spongy. Absorbent. Listen, I just want to say, man, I, I've had an incredible time. This man is an absolute genius. We got to make sure we protect him at all times man. This is what it's about. For every comedian that comes out here, man, this means everything, man. You're a genius, you're a legend. I enjoy myself thoroughly, and we're not gonna let nothing happen to you. That's right. Give it up. I'm back there. I've been doing this 35 years. I just stomped the backstage. Always
1: wanted to do that. Yeah, I believe that.
2: I'm back there. I'm back uh, there squeezing this I seen Bus Rhymes there, and like, that's how you do it, dog. <laughs> Yeah, so over the can last we
1: go, we dish, month, we've seen these these crazy moments, and uh, and they happen more than than people even realize. But if they're well protected and there's somebody great around them, then before those people ever make it into the camera's lens, before they make it into the public eye, they are snatched. They are moved away quietly and effectively. And the guy who does it, uh, and probably knows the most about it in Los Angeles, is a guy named Anthony Burnside.
3: Our next guest is a Kansas City native who is an executive protection specialist and professional bodyguard who has worked for some of the biggest names in the entertainment industry. And he's here today to discuss the recent on-stage attack on comedian Dave Chappelle at the Hollywood Bowl. Please welcome longtime friend of the show, Anthony Burnside.
0: Hey
1: Anthony, how are you this morning?
4: How's it going, Johnny?
1: Depp? Good, good, my friend. You, uh, uh, hey, listen, uh, you and I met face to face when I was backstage with with Billy, uh, and and we had a great time. That we'll get into talking about that and, and how much fun that was. But but I know that as far as celebrities go, that we'll be able to say what what kind of celebrity is an actor, a comedian, an athlete, a politician. But names are are not to be thrown out because you simply have non-disclosures. Right, that's yeah. correct. Yeah, yeah. So just just know I, I totally get that. I want people listening to understand that what you do is very serious. This is not a uh, a shtick, an act, or a, or a joke. This is you save people's lives. You protect them from people who are mentally ill, uh, people who want right. to make s- political statements, uh, people that want to use right. their celebrity to get their message out. And it's very deadly mm-hmm. and very real. Well,
4: most definitely, yeah. It's it's very real. And, and uh, you know, it's interesting. People think that... Um, when they see us on television, that all they think is that we just stand next to a person. That's probably one of the last things we do at the end of the day. They forget all the. They don't realize all of the protocols that we implement to keep everybody safe. It can, it'll make your head spin.
1: Well, you. I mean, yeah, it starts with understanding where you are, right? It's because it's it's your right. security consultant, uh, dignity dignitary prote- uh, protection. Sure. Um, you do everything from counter uh, countermeasures for uh, surveillance. Covert ops, right. workplace termination, um, background checks. Yep. You you walk in well before you are basically celebrity secret service. Pretty much. And and how much, yeah. how long have you been doing this, Anthony?
4: Oh, I've been doing it for a long time. Back into early two thousand, late nineties.
1: And and how do you break into this though? Because. I mean, certainly you're a formidable human being. Uh, you're very, very <laughs> smart. You're very aware. You understand the situation, mm-hmm. but you're physically daunting as well. But but that's right. not enough. How do you how do you get into that? Because obviously people are going to trust you with, you know, the people hire, I assume, are managers and publicists and companies, but they've got to sure. believe in you. How do you get that belief? How do you get started in that? Well, I
4: got started actually earlier than that, and that was with uh, the great Steve Allen. Um wow. It was a showbiz giant. Who was sure. a showbiz legend. Um, but prior to that, I trained um, at an EP training course. I, got, I was part of a touring show. And um, they thought, hey, you know, wouldn't this be cool to get into? So it just kind of fell, in my, fell into my lap. So I trained with former federal agents. And uh, the rest is history. show is
1: history. And certainly, if you look up Anthony Burnside uh, online, it, it will it will show up. And some celebrities have said, "Yeah, sure, you can put this on your Instagram. It's okay." You've become friends with some of them. Yes,
4: I have, yeah, yeah. I have a few celebrity friends. That is true. And
1: you, uh, so um, the way he and I met face to face was because uh, you're you're, <laughs> you're originally from Kansas City, and Billy uh, is doing a show. Billy Bob Thornton is doing a box masters show at Knuckleheads. And so right. Billy was like, hey, uh, your name's back there. And so I had the guy at Knuckleheads. I go, just go back. And they're like, yeah, yeah, just go back. So I know where the dressing room is. I knock on the door, and this giant opens the door. And I'm like, uh, hello? And I'm like, "I'm," uh, uh, and he goes, yeah. And I go, I'm supposed to see Billy. And he's like, what's your name? And I tell him my name. And he goes, Johnny. He goes, uh, Johnny Dare. And I was like, oh, God, why does this guy know my name? <laughs> and, and, I'm, and I'm looking. He's about a foot taller than me. And I'm like, God damn, are you mad at me? Like, I'm just thinking, <laughs> What the hell? And then, and then, you know, of course, he he smiles and he's a great human being. And, and we, I realize he goes, "Hey, I'm from Kansas City. I know who you are." And then we pr- went on to have a great night with Ron White and, and Billy, and just there was oh, a lot was a of laughs. Night. Oh, wasn't it great? Yeah.
4: It was a great night. Ron is um, Ron is a hell of a guy. Yeah, I like Ron
1: White a lot. Yeah, <laughs> and and Billy is is one of those guys too. Just I just I, I, for whatever reason he decided years ago he liked the show. And so he's always been just incredibly hospitable and uh, always oh, yeah. a- accessible to us. And and he's not a guy who suffers a fool like, like Billy, you better, you better understand your manners and, and how to be correct because he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't fool around.
4: No, 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 he doesn't.
1: And and so how long not were you out with Billy? If you can talk about that.
4: How long? Oh, I've been, gosh, I've known Billy for years. Yeah. Um. A long long time we uh we first met at the uh hotel marquee in hollywood the rock and roll hotel mm-hmm. and we have a lot of mutual friends uh Apollonia being one of them wendy melbourne from prince of the revolution and um there was a big we were there to support julian lennon who's a wonderful photographer and he has this great uh charitable organization i, call, I think it's called the white feather organization and so we were there and um, and we just hit it off. We talked about the Kennedy assassination for hours and wow. I broke down to him how it could have taken place and, and Billy and I have been friends since that day.
1: You know, Anthony, I was lucky enough to spend hours and hours with Clint Hill and who was Jackie's secu- so, uh, secret service agent. And mm-hmm. he is phenomenal. Like, when I tell you it's like just touching history, it's to hear him tell the story of the day of what transpired of of just, you know, and he is he's a hardline one shooter guy. And I and I, I pushed a little. But when you look in his eye, it, whether or not it's true in his heart, I have no doubt that's 100 percent what he believes that there was one shooter there. And I don't right. believe that. But he does, and I, I and, don't believe it either. And his honor, though, towards the administration, towards five presidents, this guy, that yeah. he, he's—trust me, he's—he's he's you. You guys, you guys would have the greatest conversation. He was supposed to stay for fifteen minutes. He stayed for two hours the first time, and then came back for another wow. two hours. And but he was just beyond reproach, and he was a different kind of human being. But I think to become great, to, to you know, look when you sign on, Anthony you are signing on to possibly die in front of this other celebrity, in front of this dignitary. Your job, you're like, that's what you tell them. You're like, look, I'm, I'm going to get between you and the danger.
4: That's right. I we mean, place ourselves between uh, the our asset or protectee or principal and the threat. You're exactly right.
1: So when you see a situation like, obviously, the Will Smith and Chris Rock thing, sure. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know how you stop that because... They're all celebrities in a celebrity gala. They're, you know, they're they're not going to be questioned,
4: right? Well, it, it's you know, it's interesting. You're you're exactly right. I um, there's a lot of um, planning that goes into if you uh, that goes into a protective operation. Um, if you look at what happened at the Hollywood Bowl, and I'm sure you've been to the Hollywood Bowl a few sure. times. Um, it's it's, it's, you, you look at the layout of or how the environment affects both an attack and the response. And when you understand the venue on the stage, you will see that the Hollywood Bowl is an amphitheater with theater seating almost right up to the stage. This creates a degree of intimacy and rapport with the crowd, which is ideal for comedians. Right. But it makes it um, unlike a traditional arena or stadium show because you don't have the same degree of uh, space, stage the audience, pushbacks or barricades. So in event of an attempted at um, AOP with a motivated attacker, it becomes a race of who can get there first, which is what we saw after yeah. the attack. After you tackle Dave, you saw people scurry
1: from the side. Do you feel like the uh, the Chris Rock and Will Smith incident is the kind of thing that that that, that drives another incident like the Dave Chappelle incident?
4: Almost oh, definitely. I call it the Will Smith effect. Yeah. Um when you when you break that wall. Because a lot of people think about, gosh, I want like to slap the taste out of this guy's mouth, but you never really do it. There's a, you, you get that uh oh moment, and it seems that that uh oh moment, the wall has been lifted, and you're going to see motivated people. Not all obviously, but you're going to you're going to start to see people who say, you know what, screw this. Some may be mentally disturbed. Uh, we saw what happened with the uh, former mayor years ago at the gym Theater. Yeah. Um, but you have to have particular provisions in place. If you notice in the video, there were no what we call stage blockers. There were no stage barricades to prevent that individual from getting on the stage. He got up there within seconds.
1: Right. And people don't he know. There. 25 feet. How fast can a human being cross 25 feet?
4: Very quickly.
1: Yeah. Two because, seconds? Three seconds?
4: Because, probably quicker than that. Because um, that's why we want a 25 or, uh, attacks happen within 25 feet or less. So um, in our business, it's all about distance because distance creates time and time has a direct relationship to action versus reaction. You want extra time to think and react. And so with our buffer 25 feet between the protectee and the public, it will almost always guarantees the uh, client's safety. Now, that's if we are within arms reach. You see what I mean? So sure. if we're about fifteen feet from an attacking person or a person, an assailant. Then the adversary is likely to prevail. Like seven feet from the adversary, then it is a close contest between who gets there first. Right. But if we're within arm's reach. We will always win.
1: And that's that's you know that guy, and, and thankfully he he was clumsy and he didn't get a good shot at Chappelle. Now in yeah. my head, you don't bring that that stupid combo of gun knife thing. You risk coming through security with it. There's a reason for that, which to me, I'm like, look, dude, I I think in his head, maybe he planned on, if he'd have landed on top of Chappelle and had another two seconds, that knife might've come out. And and certainly that was a four to five inch blade that would pierce through to his heart.
4: His heart, lungs, other vital organs. So Chappelle was very lucky that that guy was clumsy because a very determined attacker probably would have been successful.
1: Sure. He didn't have it in his hand, did he? No, there were reports that he did, and then
4: there were some reports that no one saw it in his hand. Yeah. But he could have easily reached into a pocket. Certainly. Like, extended the knife, and then uh, stabbed Chappelle. Oh, that's crazy. Uh, but, norm- but normally with the attackers normally um, most of these guys make some sort of a plan. Um, if, he- if we go back to when John Lennon was uh, was killed. At the Dakota. Yeah, Mark David Chapman... Um shot him from you know, he came up at first when he was going before he was going to the studio to record. He had his album underneath his hand and he asked for an autograph, and there's a famous picture of them together um with John signing his um album. Well, a few hours later he's across the street, John gets out of the car, he fires several shots, hits John, John falls. Chapman doesn't run. No. He he, he, he wanted to car. be caught. Yeah. He wanted to be called. With, 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 with these kind of individuals, their, their fear is not going to jail. Their fear is to fail to make the hit.
1: Yeah, it's mental illness, isn't it? It's it's it, they're not hitmen. Right. They're not paid people to, to take somebody out. These are these are mentally ill people who feel that they've been driven by a voice, by a higher power, by a thought process. A lot of times, it's, they right. they feel like their mind is being controlled. There was all the catcher in the rye issue, you know, which which brought up the Manchurian candidate issue uh, sure. with guys like Mark David Chapman. But you look at Lee Harvey Oswald or 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 these guys like Lee Harvey tried to get away, but they're. There are like, like Dimebag Daryl, uh, taken from uh, from Damage Plan and Pantera. When he, he, that guy jumped up on the stage knowing right. he was not leaving that place, he just wanted to commit right. as many murders as he could. He started with Daryl and started shooting up road crew. And, 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 and thankfully, right. that cop got there and, and clipped him. But, but I mean, he knew he wasn't leaving there that night.
4: Right. They, they were committed to an attack, they were committed to killing all it takes. Is for them to be willing to trade their lives. That's what makes them dangerous.
1: Sure. What's the old saying? Never go to war with someone who's not afraid to die.
4: Exactly. Exactly right. Yeah. So it's, um, you know, it's a really terrible thing. And I've been dealing with this for many, many years. And then threat assessment, you know, we conduct threat assessment um, all the time to determine if someone um, has a particular capability to carry out an attack. Against a public figure,
1: it's it's an interesting um, world, by the way. If you're just joining the show, Anthony Burnside is with us. Anthony uh, is part of the Ronan Group Consulting. He is uh, what, what does NCI stand for? In PITA,
4: PITA is 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 a, th- is a threat assessment. Okay, It's a protective intelligence threat assessment.
1: And, and now, security consultant and NCI
4: is non crisis intervention.
1: Got it. Dignitary protection specialist, electronic countermeasures, counter surveillance, uh, covert ops, workplace termination, background checks. You guys know, and you look for certain people too as well. Like we have now the, that facial recognition stuff that uh, I think Taylor Swift took it out on her tour first where she had right. all these people that had made threats to her via social media that they they had mm-hmm. and they'd put them in that, in that, in that, that, that file. And all of a sudden these cameras that were all over the, the arenas we're picking these guys right. up, and, and I'm sure you know about this. There was a amount right. of people that got backstage, knew how to work the system, and they actually caught them in the backstage area. These were known threats. Right. It's crazy to me how... how... Yeah, the technology is so... Advanced. Go yeah. ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's, but it is crazy to me, Anthony. I mean, but there's that—that mm-hmm. that is a wonderful thing to own, but you are an upfront guy. I see you all the time in different magazines. Now I, I feel like I spot you all the time. Before, I wouldn't have... But now, in the background at the Oscars, at the Grammys, at a red carpet event, at a movie opening, at a concert, at a, with a dignitary getting out, you'll see that. And I see you, and I'm like, there he is. There's Anthony again. You are the guy, the frontline guy.
4: Right. Yeah. I try to be. I try to be. The key is just to keep everyone safe. And, um, but when you see me, there's a lot of other things you don't see that are in place.
1: What are those? Which is, or can you talk about those? Accounting. Well,
4: not really, right? Because that I, that I can't talk about. But to as me, uh, Chris uh, Tucker says, I uh, G14 classified. Yeah. Um, I mean, me. there's. I mean, there's. Uh, there was a, a, a interview I did with the Hollywood Reporter where we talk about some of the provisions that we have in place. We have undercover spotters that you'll never see. But if someone produces a gun or produces a knife, they would immediately be uh, neutralized.
1: No, listen, we at Rockfest, for the last at least five Rockfests, at least the last five, had guys up on top of Towers... And up on top of buildings, that nobody ever saw right. that absolutely were there to neutralize a threat, God forbid, that it were to happen uh, from multiple places. And people don't realize at many events, whether it be a major sporting event uh, uh, right. across the board, there are absolutely things put in place that most never, never notice. But there are guys who are right. watching and they have the ability to neutralize a, a threat.
4: Oh, exactly.
1: Really quick. Yeah. Because once in our business, if someone gets hurt, dead clients don't pay. Fact. Yeah. And yeah. you, uh, what's so the closest you've ever gotten to uh, a bad bad situation? Have you uh, have you ever been harmed? Or have you ever had to uh, uh, neutralize anybody? Um, and when I say neutralize,
4: I mean in the good way, necessarily. Sure. We, sure. We not necessarily kill them. We we want to uh, save them for the police, so the police can take them merely along to jail. Um, there was uh there was an incident I had at the um Beverly Hilton a few years ago, and it involved a young female pop singer and someone was um behave, trying to behave a little creepy with her, so we took care of that right but that was not something that's publicly known sure so.
1: Well, Anthony, uh, listen. I, uh, you know me. I, I, I could literally ask you a million questions because I just find what you oh. do fascinating. Um, Thank you, my friend. Well, listen. You're you're a good cat, and and I think that you're uh, because of the very nature and discreet nature of your business. You're wildly underappreciated. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> Thank I, you. I appreciate you taking time to come and talk to us about what happened with Dave Chappelle and and the the Will Smith effect and and everything that goes along with it. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, you know, the world changed for me when Dimebag Daryl got killed on stage. A performer had never been gunned down on a stage like that in a public situation before. We always worried about it. There was always talk about it. But I could never remember... Since then, you know, comedians have had to suffer hecklers and there's been, you know, moments and fights and different things. But it was always spur of the moment, not not crazy people, mentally ill people planning it out and not planning on coming back to their house that night. You know, there's some terrifying stuff. We saw what happened in Las Vegas Uh, and how you defend against that. I don't know. I just don't know. You know, you know, it's it's um, every everything
4: is in a going concern. You know, what we try to do is plan for everything. We plan for every kind of possible attack that can possibly take place. Right. Now, sometimes um, you miss things, but you don't miss things in the sense that it was negligent. You miss things in the sense that well, maybe, you know, not a particular person didn't think of that right away. But we try to we try to plan for a tactical assault, medical emergencies a chemical or biological attack, IED, airborne attack, or fire emergency. It's an A to Z plan. So we try to plan the best we possibly can because anything can happen. At the uh, incident at the Hollywood Bowl, now they're saying they were were wondering, well, how did he get past um, the metal detectors? Well, there are ways to get past the metal detectors. I won't get that here. But now the police are saying there was a – because this guy was a homeless guy. That's crazy. And 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 they said it was probably a hole somewhere where he hopped the fence that wasn't watched. And that's how he got in.
1: Sure. Now, that's if, what they like. did, If you're willing to, to, wow. to break into an event, yeah, no, then there's what is it that you can't carry? You can take anything with you, man. You're not going through, you know, uh, what is it? Uh, security mostly just keeps honest people honest.
4: Right. you exactly
2: right. All right. Well,
4: listen. Um, but... But all it takes is someone who's dedicated and motivated. And again, as I tell people, you don't have to really be that famous. Look what happened to Rebecca Schaefer when she was gunned down in the front of her apartment. Look what happened with Teresa Saldana when a guy watched her movie and she had a sex scene with a guy. He didn't like it, so he travels to California to stab her. Yeah. All it takes is for someone to be fixated on. You You work in radio. You remember Alan Bird?
1: Sure, of course. Colorado. It's in Colorado. A, uh, yeah.
4: So, so all it takes is for someone disturbed to become fixated on you. It doesn't necessarily uh, mean you have to have a certain level of fame. They just have to become fixated on you.
1: No, that's right.
4: That's all it takes.
1: Well, Anthony, I appreciate you. And I, I always, always enjoy speaking with you, man. Hopefully we'll cross each other very, very soon. I would like that, my friend. All right. Love you, brother. Take care. Hold on. Anthony Burnside. Uh, You can find him on Instagram. That's where I follow him. And uh, it's very interesting. He's got a lot of uh, very cool observations about uh, security, about your life, about how you can avoid certain things that absolutely, if you're not a celebrity, still apply to you. How do you get to your car? How do you take care of your house? How How do you know your surroundings? What do you do if a situation breaks out in front of you?
0: He's fascinating.
1: No, he really is. He is... Very, very accomplished and knows exactly what he's talking about. He is not uh, self aggrandizing. You can tell by the way he speaks, like, he doesn't talk about himself being tough or himself being important. His job is to protect that client, whoever it is that hires him, and to see the trouble on the horizon, what could possibly happen. If that's happened, how do we make egress? How, how do we how do we enter a place? How do we how do we exit a place in case of an emergency? How what what vehicle what what mode of transportation will take this package this asset away from the danger? And no matter what it is, explosions, fire, person on person contact. Uh, it's like he said, something that's poisonous. There are a million things to consider. What you're talking about, it's crazy. It really is a kooky ass world out there, man. Uh, I'll tell you, I saw it up close. Uh, Radio always has gets weird, stalkery people, but for the most part, it's been just fine. Yeah. Um, some odd threats here and there over the years, mm-hmm. uh, but nothing that I, ever freaked me out super bad. Um, but when I watched Jesse Dupree go from Jackal, which is a rock band, that's got a weirdness to it, sure. to television, that is when it got weird.
0: Well, it, it, when people you're like in their house, yeah, they see your face. Oh,
1: dude, there there are women who would who would swear that they were they were married to him, like mm-hmm. like like you know, I mean. They would invent and they, things they, in their head. they would conjure up entire lives together. They would. And then, uh, you know, dudes would, would have imaginary uh, uh, anger or anger over imaginary threats through the television show. You understand? Like, yeah. like they would just imagine that somehow something that was uttered on that show was directed towards them. And they wanted to know why and how. And they were going to fight back.
0: Yeah. And, the m- most frightening things, finding out what's in someone else's head. Yeah.
1: And even though it does not make sense to you or I or anybody with a normal way of thinking, it absolutely, in their mind, it's gospel, it's Bible, it's the reality, truth, and, and it's life or death to them. And that makes them incredibly dangerous. That's where guys like Anthony Burnside come into the play.
2: This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. So what exactly is the show about? It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Born April 22nd in Baltimore, Maryland, he is a writer and director who has brought us such cult classics as Pink Flamingos, Polyester, Hairspray, Crybaby, Serial Mom, and many more. He documented his hitchhiking trip from Baltimore to San Francisco in his book, Carsick. He has a new novel, titled, Liar Mouth, and Pink Flamingos is celebrating its 50th anniversary. Please welcome, the legendary John Waters.
1: Mr. John Waters, how are you?
3: I'm um, good,
5: boy. I get a drum roll. That's a good entrance.
1: Listen, listen, man. You know, uh, I, I this is true. I didn't realize Pink Flamingos. I argued with Jake. It couldn't be 50 years old because I saw it in the 80s, and I thought it was made and went straight to cable. All this time, I never realized it was it was actually shot in seven. or released in 72.
5: Yeah, a cable? Are you kidding? I never was thought it would ever play on television ever. And the director's guild called and said they want to cut out two of the scenes. I said, if you can, go ahead. And they forgot to, <laughs> <laughs> so they played it anyway. Good. So uh, yeah, and it's amazing to me that it's ever been on television. And now that Criterion is releasing this new beautiful restored version, I think it will play. You know, on HBO Max,
1: <laughs> dude. I'm telling you, John. It I was at a painful life I was just starting to get introduced to punk rock and LSD and mushrooms and stuff and I had some friends who uh, they were like, we're gonna watch this and they and they and they actually had the VHS tape and we're watching it and I remember thinking is this really happening am I tripping that hard what part is real and what part is is not and that was that was a double-headed with blue velvet in about eight hours of
5: Goddamn oh God I don't think I ever saw Pink flamingos tripping I don't know that's a good idea. <laughs> but it, it was not real. None of the characters were really like that. They were acting, and it was a written script and everything, but uh, it, it has lasted, and this year, uh, the National Film Registry picked it as one of America's great films, which is so amazing, because I get convicted of obscenity every time it goes to court. So, and it's maybe worse now than when you first saw it because of political correctness sure. and everything, but I think people are joyously happy to be so surprised when they see that movie, tripping or not tripping. No,
1: that's I've, I've seen it sober as well but no it is john it is it is an exercise in imagination and creativity and and purposeful smut and filth in the sense that you go this it is it's it isn't there a strange joy in offending people in not a an angry hateful way in a just in a in a just right down to your core way
5: well, I'm trying to make them laugh at their ability to still be surprised by anything anymore. Sure. My original, this was a punk movie before punk even happened. We without a We didn't know doubt. there was such a thing. But it was a punk movie without our knowing it. And uh, once punk came out, it was quickly adapted. And uh, adopted, I mean, by the punk movement.
1: Yeah. And, and I, look at the end. Here's a question for you. The, the end, Divine Eats the Dog Poop. At yeah. that point, is that scripted, or did she just go, well, oh, you better get this? Okay. No,
5: Divine didn't just think I'll ad-lib and eat a dog turd. No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> By the way, that doesn't seem crazy to me.
5: Scripted. And it was the very last shot of the whole movie. Yeah. And we knew we were going to do it, and Divine said, yeah, 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 yeah. But the day came, and Divine was a pro. We did it. Yeah. Oh. Uh, it- I knew it would work. The first time I ever saw the movie with an audience, I knew that it worked. It definitely worked because there was no reason to do it. It yeah. was a publicity stunt. Where it was the year pornography, beca- deep throat was out, and everything became legal. But this was one thing that nobody had ever thought of. And to this day, the only person that would have done it is Johnny Knoxville. Yeah, no, that's right. He I- would have done it. It would be it's a Jackass stunt.
1: Yeah, well, but you and then of course they they love you. You you had a cameo in uh, Jackass too.
5: Yeah, Johnny was a star of one of my movies, A Dirty Shame. So yeah, I'm a big fan, and I'm really happy that it, the last Jackass that just came out was a giant hit.
1: Yes, and you just have done so much great stuff, like like Johnny Depp, like the the Cry Baby and Hairspray uh, movies, where you go, man, there's that's the closest to mainstream in my head. Like uh, obviously Serial Mom, but but I mean th- that was that that true John Waters the insanity uh, merged with this other pop. Punk culture, since you know sensibility, and and I remember watching, it thinking this is grand, fantastically weird, and I think I love it.
5: Well, good. I mean, it was uh, Cry Baby was not a success when it first came out. Since it, later, it has been because it's played on television all over the world. But uh, I met real. I met a girl recently who said that she, she got punished when she was a teenager that she saved her tears like Allison did in the movie and drank them, and her mother <laughs> called her and sent a psychiatrist. <laughs> You know, so I'm am always amazed that people actually do the things that are in my films. I guess I should be flattered.
1: Yeah, well, listen, you're always putting out great stuff. And by the way, I love the phrase. And is it true that this is, this is why yours? Because everybody gets phrases attributed to them in quotes. If you go home with somebody and they don't have books, don't F them.
5: Yeah, that's true. But I have sometimes they're cuter and you can get rid of your re- rule. And also what well, even worse Is if they have books and they're in a basket next to the toilet. Well, first of all, (laughs) you should never eliminate outside your home. So if you go to someone's house for a dinner party and you say, where's the powder room? I would think, for what? Don't think you're eliminating in my house. (laughs) And then really discussing a big basket of us magazines and jokes for the john. That's when you run for your life.
1: Yeah, fact, fact. You, uh, you got so much of liar mouth is out now. Uh, I will yeah. take. I'm going to take a look at that as well because it's. Uh, I'm about four. But I'm getting into a situation now where I'm, I'm ordering more books and I have found time to read. So i have really. I've got to jump into four or five of them.
5: Well, I think you'll get into it. It's it's a pretty rude ride. Excellent, well, look,
1: <laughs> dude. I'm a I'm a huge fan. I wish we'd have crossed paths. My house is literally six miles from that overpass in Bonner Springs, Kansas. At any moment, I could have driven by you and I'd have just been like, look. There's a guy who looks just like John Waters.
5: Uh, so I was hitchhiking. You know, I just was in Lawrence, Kansas last week. Oh, that's right. Uh, so pretty near there. And we went by the corner where I was stuck hitchhiking in, uh, on Route 70. So um, I was in Kansas recently. I like Kansas. I got a great ride there eventually. But that Bonner Springs, that's where I was stuck the longest. I remember <laughs> going in that Taco Bell bathroom, and mm-hmm. I was like crackers and pink flamingos living in gas station lavatories. It was <laughs> tough. It was tough. Dude, you
1: are the best. You are the great, the legendary john waters nice for to appreciate nice do appreciate you. nice job john thank you sir thank you thank
6: you we all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing and once again toyota is leading the way we hear a lot about fully electric vehicles and toyota has them with more coming in but we also know a bev is not for everyone whether it's because of cost range or concern about finding a charging station when you need it plus the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited